In this episode of Info Product Mastery, I sit down with Simon Grimm and discuss his path from JavaScript developer to successful content creator and how it's given him an incredible lifestyle and balance with his family. This is Info Product Mastery, episode 21. Welcome to Info Product Mastery, the podcast that helps developers make life-changing money by building and selling online courses. I'm your host, Adrian Rosebrock. And today, we have Simon Grimm on the show. Simon is a YouTuber and the creator of the Ionic Academy, which helps web developers create awesome mobile apps through Ionic and Angular. I thought it would be really awesome to have Simon on the show to share his story, as I think it's a great example of how developers can successfully create content in highly niche, specialized areas. And also, as a Python developer who has spent pretty much his entire lifetime doing data science and machine learning and deep learning and computer vision, like things that people say are really challenging. I have news for you. JavaScript development, in my opinion, is one of the hardest areas that any developer can be successful in. It is truly crazy how hard JavaScript can be at times. And Simon just knows it inside and out. So I'm pleased to have him on the show. How are you doing today, Simon? I'm doing fine. Uh, happy to be here. Actually, I've been also listening to your show, which is kind of funny because you're just into like 20 episodes at this point. I, say, I think I sent you a tweet after like the first three or four episodes because you've been on Rob Walling's podcast, which I've been yeah, listening to. Yeah, starts the rest uh, of us. Yeah. Yeah, it starts with the rest of us. It's awesome. So yeah, I was also looking forward to the introduction you're doing because I think it's so hard to give myself a title. Like I don't have a title. I'm self-employed. I'm just recently, my, my co-host on the podcast I'm working with said, just, just tell people you're doing things with computers and that's going to spark their interest and probably they're going to ask something. So yeah, you, you put YouTube first, which is interesting, I guess, because YouTube is my, my biggest number uh, when you researched me. I'm running a membership site called Ionic Academy. Uh, you can find it at ionicacademy.com, which is focused entirely on the Ionic framework. Like this is really a subset of a subset. So I'm based in the JavaScript world. I was focused on Angular, which is a JavaScript framework. And then Ionic was very specialized on that part to build basically cross-platform applications for iOS and Android. And you just write one code base with JavaScript and in that case, Angular, instead of writing Swift and Kotlin code. So that makes life easier. There are different other approaches uh, at this point, like React Native and Flutter and uh, Xamarin. And, but Ionic has always been a special case uh, with a clear focus on web. So that's probably we, why we've never been in touch before. <laughs> Set that up front <laughs> for you. Like the developer world is interesting. You're, you're a Python developer. I'm JavaScript. I, I've probably never heard about some successful people in the Swift world, although Ray Vanderlick, I think, is, is like the OG in that space. But there are so many fields where you, where you can just carve out your own niche, pretty much like I did. I find this really fascinating. So happy to connect with you on the pod now. Absolutely. I, I remember playing with React Native and, and that type of stuff. And there was even a JavaScript framework. Ah, what was it called? Was it PhoneGap? Back in the day, it was, re yeah. it was rebranded rebranded to Apache Cordova. And I remember creating these computer vision applications that all it did was like open up an iPhone app and then take a photo and then submit the photo to a, to a REST API and then return a JSON blob back. And then you could process it and return it. And I remember thinking like, wow, I am writing a mobile app in JavaScript. <laughs> this is truly mind-blowing. Like you do some like dark magic 
with your <laughs> with your JavaScript development. That's actually funny because I wrote my bachelor thesis in, I don't know, about 10 years ago, probably, about PhoneGap. <laughs> it, was, it, was it was really horrible then. It was called Titanium Studio or something, and you're using PhoneGap. Like, this was really horrible, but the, the web has really evolved. The web has gotten a lot better in the last 10 years and uh, devices as well. So not to say other approaches aren't great. There are different approaches. So use whatever you like. Don't want to make this an advertisement for Ionic or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so where does Ionic fit in like the overall like JavaScript framework? So like, I think at the, at the bottom of the pyramid, like you have like, you're just writing raw JavaScript, like document.getElement by ID style JavaScript. And then above that, you have like your jQuery layer and then, you know, you could use nicer selectors and you get some additional features. And, but what's what's above that? You know, where does Ionic and Angular kind of fit in? Yeah, basically, JavaScript is there to manipulate the DOM in web applications. So you have the HTML and you want to access those elements. You want to add a click handler to your button or change the color or something. So previously, you did this with jQuery and probably people still do this with jQuery today. But overall, people have just invented those JavaScript frameworks. The most dominant are Angular, React, Vue, and I think Svelte is also now coming up pretty strong. And those just help you to do those things like document, get element by ID a lot easier. Like they introduce concepts to make this easier. And if you don't want to make a connection to Ionic, actually, Ionic itself, this is always like confusing to people. And I also had problems figuring this out in the beginning. Ionic is more like Tailwind UI. You've probably heard about Tailwind mm -hmm. UI, which is just a CSS framework, or you could compare Ionic to Bootstrap. Like okay. it's more of an, of an UI component library with like adaptive styling. If you're using an Ionic header, for example, you just write it once, like the Ion header in your HTML. And if your app runs on an Android device, it will show an Android-themed header material design. On iOS, you're going to have the iOS styling. So that's pretty cool about Ionic. But eventually, what's really the magic under the hood is like what you already said, Cadover, or today it's actually Capacitor. This is like the, the second next iteration of Cadover uh, developed by the Ionic team. So it gets really complicated at that point once you get into things. To, to make it easy, like Capacitor basically wraps your web application in a, in a web view and puts that on a mobile device. So when you launch the application, you don't see a URL or something. It is a native application, and that's what Capacitor does. Gotcha. That makes sense. So it's clear that you have this, this experience with, with JavaScript, with Ionic, and all of that. How did you follow this path from being a developer to a, a course creator? Because for some developers, that, that just doesn't compute. It doesn't click. They're like, wait, shouldn't you just be like writing code 24-7? Like how, how did you go from developer to this, this info product creator? Yeah, so the beginning was actually, so eventually I was a native iOS developer. That was actually where I came from because I always enjoyed creating apps. So that has always been like the, my, my backbone. But at my first job, eventually I figured out at some point this Ionic framework and we were just trying it out just like a fun thing on the job and on a, like a Google Friday. I, I'm not working for Google. I didn't work for Google, but we just <laughs> called it like that. And then I started blogging about this. I can't exactly remember why I started a blog in the first place. I think it was just to document whatever I learned. And it is so funny. Until this day, I still sometimes search something on Google and find it on my own blog. Like, I don't know if this has happened to you as well. I, I'm very good at forgetting about things that I did. Like, I see a post and I'm like, what? Did I really write about this like five years ago? Oh, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, when I, would, when I would write like production level computer vision code, 
I was pulling up my website, Pymix Search, and copying <laughs> code blocks out of it and putting it into this production code. Because there's no way in the world I would have remembered it otherwise. There's, there's no way. So, and I love this story because this is how like you build a successful info product business as a, as a developer. You have this curiosity. You want to learn it. And you want to document it along the way, if nothing more, for, for your own benefit so you can refer back to it. But instead of just, just creating these like college-style notes of like what this function does or what that function does, give it a bit of an, a narrative. Don't make it just for you. Make it for other people. And as you document that process, I think that's, that's what makes it special. It helps you so much, actually, to understand those concepts. So in the beginning, when I was, I was just learning Ionic and, and writing about this, like the first things I did was like capture image and do a simple login. I had no clue in general how Ionic worked internally, but I was already blogging about this. It's, it's kind of like embarrassing, kind of like fake it until you make it. But at the same time, people just seem to pick up on Ionic. So I, I actually tried a lot of things. I just recently went back into my archives and I saw that in 2014, that was when my blog started, uh, one of my first article series was on Dart. So the language used by Google for Flutter as well. I can't remember that I ever in my life used Dart, <laughs> but apparently this was where my blog started. And I've wrote about NPM and different things. I even wrote about uh, native iOS. But eventually I figured out that Ionic that time got popular and that people seem to like my articles because, you know, when you start a blog, nobody's going to click on your links. Like you get two views or something in the beginning. It can be really frustrating. You have probably 10 Twitter followers and nobody's clicking on things. So in the beginning, it's really more to, to learn something. Yeah, they're like these growth hacks and tactics that you can use, but Eventually, in the end, it comes down to being consistent. So pretty much since now eight years, I've released something at least every other week, almost every week in the last five or six years. And when, when, when you see this, looking back on the archive, you see those 80 posts. Yeah, because I'm in the JavaScript world, like from the 80 posts, 60 are already outdated probably. But anyway, like you build up your avatar to, to people and people in that space just at some point know you they mm -hmm. at some point they they kept referring to me as an ionic expert although i thought like i don't know a lot about ionic why do you call me even an expert and it took me really long to to actually accept that i'm an ionic expert oh that's that's a great story thank you for for sharing that because i think it's it's so true so true for other people in this space is just create create content get out of your comfort zone and if you find that you're learning something new. And especially if the documentation for a library is poor and there's not a lot of examples, you know, you're Googling, how do I do X, Y, Z in whatever language or, or library you're using? And you're not getting any results, but you're seeing people on like Reddit or LinkedIn or Quora asking how you do those functions. That's just like right in your face market validation of there is interest for this topic and no one is filling it. And let's face it, as developers, like, as intelligent as we are, like we forget things pretty quickly. And just like we rely on Stack Overflow, we rely going back to our previous projects that we've developed where we had a working piece of code and using that as a, as a starting point. So if you have this blog, not only are you helping yourself, future you with products, but you're helping other people and you're allowing you know other people to learn from you. And as you said, over time, you become recognized as this expert, even if you don't really feel like an expert, you you actually are. It's kind of like a weird almost imposter syndrome, I, I think that goes on mm. with, with people when they're we're trying to get started. But the point I really want to make and drive home is something you said of you were consistent. It took years to do like it wasn't overnight. It's like kind of that quote of like, 
oh yeah, I built a business uh, into a success. It was five years to an overnight success. It's like, yeah. you, it takes that five years to get to that tipping point. And then once you're at that tipping point, boom, like everything just seems to, seems to take off. And I get the impression that's probably what, what happened to you through this, this relentless showing up every, every day, publishing week after week after week. I don't even know if I'm at the tipping point yet. Like, I'm still <laughs> focused on, like, I, since five years, I'm self-employed now with this whole kind of, yeah, kind of info product business. But still, I'm still looking for ways to, to make this better. And at this point, like, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm running everything on my own. I have no virtual assistant. I have no one to edit my YouTube thumbnails. I, even, I don't have one to edit my podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've listened to your episodes. And one of the first was like, yeah, outsource things and automate those things and get this off your plate. But I'm right at the point where I'm like, I can still keep up with this. It's not like I'm getting 30 emails per day. I'm getting a few emails and a few questions. So <laughs> I'm still still waiting for the tipping point. But I have a great life working completely from home. So it's been amazing the last five years. My wife is also now at home employed. She's my only employee and helping me with a few things. This is just a like total dream, I think. If, if past Simon from, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago uh, would see this, he would be so happy because I was listening on the commute to the Smart Passive Income podcast and dreaming about how you build up those income streams and how you niche down or applying those different tactics. So that was so fun. It was, it's funny that you can't connect the dots looking forward. That famous quote from Steve Jobs, and it's, it's so true. But if you put out the right things, eventually you, you get a tiny bit of luck and then magic things start to happen. And by the way, about the beginnings of my blog, this was so bad. I don't know if your initial material, if you ever went back and I've been going back to my YouTube videos, like open, go to my YouTube channel, search for Simon Grimm on YouTube and then just sort the videos by a, a date edit or something and look at the first videos. Like it, it sounds like this. Hello, this is Simon and today we are <laughs> going to implement. No, no, that was actually too much. <laughs> like this is so embarrassing when you go back and then you see how much you've involved and you don't even notice it actually. Like the evolution you go through without actually noticing. I think this is something I, I highly enjoy and I'm kind of proud of uh, looking backward. That's great. And I, I agree with you. Like when you go back and look at your old content, like you're almost embarrassed by it. You're like, man, I can't believe I put that put that out there. But here's, here's the crazy thing. That was part of the journey. You had to start somewhere. You had to have the courage to put it online, to upload it, to press, press publish. Most people in this world do not have that courage. And that is, that is a shame because it shows they're, they're afraid to put themselves out there. Not necessarily, I mean, I guess some people are afraid of criticism from other people, but I think the majority, they're just afraid of the inner criticism that they're going to hear. They're going to they're gonna tear themselves down on the inside. But if, if you can just get past that and press publish, there's a weird thing that happens. First, you improve over time because you practice, you develop more skill, you get more experience. That's natural. But if you go back, like you said, sort your videos from oldest first, I guarantee you, you're going to find people who still got value out of that mm -hmm. content that you thought was horrible. And that is so critical. It, it's like, it doesn't matter how much you suck in the beginning someone is going to get value out of it. And that is really all that matters at the end of the day. 100% agree. It's especially like intimidating for, for non-native speakers. So I'm not a non-native speaker. I'm from Germany. In the beginning, I was never good in English. So in school, it was okay. 
I don't know how I came, how I actually started that idea of doing YouTube videos. Like I always did YouTube videos for my tutorials. I did a written version and then I did a video version of it pretty much. But I never felt comfortable about English and I never wanted my family to see those videos and stuff like this. Like if you opt into those things, it's very easy to never hit publish. Like you need to adopt a certain kind of like, I don't care. Let's just. And actually, it's, it's still to this day, like Instagram stories. I know Instagram stories, they're all my old friends from, from school and stuff like that. And I never showed up there with my face. I was always just posting like pictures. Uh, it's just this year that I started doing like real Instagram stories because I was like, man, I've been doing five years of YouTube. It's finally time that I just speak up on Instagram stories as well. <laughs> I think here's the thing that I eventually learned to get, get over that is it, it took years, took years to get to this point. but. This is going to sound a little narcissistic, but my Instagram stories and a lot of my Instagram posts, I have my shirt off like on like 80% of them. And it's because like I spend so much, so much time in the gym and like, I'm certainly proud of like what I've done and I've accomplished in the gym, but I never want to lose that ability of being afraid to hit publish on something. So if Mm. you're taking like photos with your shirt off and posting them on the internet on a public Instagram profile, listen, Pressing publish on a blog post or a video is never going to <laughs> bother you ever. I guarantee it. <laughs> this is like next level. Like I, I really want to do this at some point as well, because actually since last summer, I lost about 20 kilos and I'm in the probably best shape I've ever been in my life. So I'm uh, <laughs> Dude, be proud should, of that. Be should, proud of maybe, it. Maybe I, should, maybe I should just do this. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should open OnlyFans. Do you have OnlyFans? <laughs> I joke with people all the time about that. that I'm going to start an OnlyFans. <laughs> no, um, no real plans yet. No, no market, no initial market validation steps have been taken. <laughs> okay, how, we, how do we get back from OnlyFans to programming books? <laughs> hey, well, you know what? I guarantee you they use JavaScript on that website. That's how we got back there. <laughs> oh, just I just recently heard this. Like on YouPorn, there are JavaScript tutorials. I, I read this on, on Twitter. I, I haven't looked it up, but I wonder, like, why do people do this? Wow, man, that's a brilliant seo play like you could like keep like your uh your time on site like skyrockets while like showing javascript tutorials with picture in picture porn oh my god this episode is getting so off real <laughs> sorry about that let's get back to the academy <laughs> oh man so I-, I noticed that on your site you have like links to like your super popular youtube channel which almost has fifty thousand subscribers which is amazing you have like opt-in links to like these uh, quick start PDFs. And of course, you have have links to your courses. I guess I'm curious, like, what is your subscriber to customer journey? Like, how how are they coming to your site, opting in, and then then purchasing your content? So this is complicated, because going back to what we had in the beginning about Ionic and Angular, Ionic has traditionally been using Angular, and a lot of like 80% of the Ionic user community is using Angular. However, since two or three years, you can also use React or Vue with Ionic. So since Vue and React are completely different from Angular, this makes life really a lot harder. So just a few months ago, I started opening up to React and getting into this. But this makes the whole customer journey a lot harder. So let me tell you about pretty much the the customer journey I had before. I do have all those little signups to my email list because I learned pretty early in the beginning that email list is about uh, above everything else. Like, don't care about Twitter, don't care about Facebook, build your email list. And I always had signups. I always had these little tricks you could probably call 
Like in my tutorials, I had to sign up at your email and get the full source code to this tutorial. Which was like people sometimes said, well, why are you doing, why are you not just putting the code on GitHub for free? I basically never answered and just went with it <laughs> because it worked and I, it built up my email list. However, probably that's problematic because if you attract people with like free templates, you don't know if those people are going to buy something, but you can never be sure. But to this day, what I then found is like those crash courses and I've written things usually work better. So what I, I think was my main opt-in and I just improved it over the years was a seven-day Ionic crash course. People would get an email for seven days where they would just learn lesson one, setting up your environment, lesson two, navigation, lesson three, building, whatever. And then in between, at the end, pitch to either one of my books or the Ionic Academy, which is the membership side. And I think that has worked pretty well so far. However, the problem now becomes that I also want to use like attract React people. So I have to build up React material. At the same time, I need like a complete new React funnel. And yeah, life's going to get a lot harder. But eventually I have some like a big vision for the future that I call the Academy 2.0. So I want to go or move away from Ionic. And this is kind of scary because Right now, I think I have talked to a business coach. Right now, I'm a big fish in a small pond. Like Ionic is a small subset, a small niche, and I'm kind of like people know me as an expert. And I want to move into something else, and I'm going to become a small fish <laughs> in a big pond. Like I want to help pretty much all web developers build mobile applications based on their skills. And you can do this with Capacitor, with the tools. You can then use pretty much every framework, React, Vue, whatever you can find. Maybe this could also be like using Flutter or something. And yeah, this whole process now, I started this. I had like a strategy week earlier this year where I decided on the future. And now I'm, I'm working towards that future. It's a very big goal, I must admit. But at the same time, I see this as like the ultimate thing I want to do. Because right now, as I said, I'm running everything inside the Ionic Academy, everything inside my YouTube channel. And eventually, I just want to do nothing. like. It's not that I can't take off a few days and, and do nothing. Nobody would miss me. But since I'm the only one doing something, I know nothing will happen. There's no new content, no video produced, no course, no answer given to anything. And eventually I want to bring in like other course creators, have this bigger library of different courses, tutorials written by other people on that new page. And yeah, that's my vision for the future because that eventually could be an asset that could be sold. Like I've seen these kind of pages being sold to stuff like DigitalOcean. Mm -hmm. And well, if you build up a nice community of a lot of active members and you have good resources and then you can sell it or you can just let it run by someone else, that's a totally different game because I can't sell the Ionic Academy. Nobody is Simon. Nobody is Captain Ionic. Nobody could probably do it like I can. It's not like I think I'm special. It's just... Yeah, people expect my face currently, at least I think so. So it's hard to sell any of this to anyone else, but that's my bigger strategy. I don't know. Maybe we're going to have a talk in about two years <laughs> and see how far I've come then. Yeah, there's, there's so many good points in there. I mean, to start, the, the big fish in a small pond. Like I've, I've definitely been there and, and felt that before. And I think you're... I think you're 100% on, on the right track. Like what you're doing is smart, it's intelligent. Like you're, you're thinking like, what are the next steps? And I talked about this in I think episode two or three of Info Product Mastery of how the concept of, of niching down, niching down to the point where you can find 
this area that you can dominate, that you can become that big fish in that small market. And then from there, you start climbing up the staircase or climbing up the ladder to these to these larger and larger markets. And I describe it as like driving a wedge into an existing market player. Let's just say you wanted to compete with like all JavaScript frameworks and become like the go-to person who has content on every single JavaScript framework. Well, how do you do that? Well, you pick a small framework that has interest, probably poor documentation with a lot of users who don't know how to do their job to get to accomplish their goals and they're upset about it. Well, then you start creating content. You drive in this wedge into this niche where you become the go-to person on it. You become the expert on it. And then that's exactly what you've done. And now you're starting to think, man, how can I, how can I expand outwards? And you, you can do that because you have this existing audience because you put in, that, put in that work versus if you wanted to compete on, on a larger market by yourself to start, I mean, you would need like venture funding to, to kind mm, of do that. And yeah. you would need a team of writers and it would take a, it would take a couple of years of consistent content creation. So that's, there's no that's personality a, in it. Like it's going to be, yeah, very yeah, hard to do that. Exactly. There's going to be no personality. There's going to be no common thread throughout of it. And speaking of that common, that, that common thread, you're saying maybe one day, like the, the business gets acquired or something like I went through that exact process with, with PyMage Search. And when it was on the market, the number one concern we got from potential buyers was Adrian's face is on everything. Like the site mm. is Adrian. How do you plan on transitioning it so that's not all about Adrian? And what we did was we eventually were able to bring up writers. And it, it took a couple of years to figure this out. It was very like start and stop. It was hard. But we were able to develop a team of content creators who we brought in, like trained them, and they started creating quality content. And once, and I started removing my name from certain things, maybe from like email signatures or like blog posts that would go out every Monday morning, my name wasn't, wasn't on them. It was the author's, the other author's name. And we monitored the sales. And guess what? A crazy thing happened. Nothing changed. Sales didn't drop. <laughs> business value didn't drop. Analytics didn't drop. Everything was fine, even though I wasn't the face of things. And it's, it's humbling when that happens because it makes you think like, man, I just spent eight years of my life building this <laughs> thing and no one gives a f that I'm gone now. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so humbling. But I, I take that as the hallmark of an incredibly successful info product business because it means the culture and the community you have built supersedes even yourself. And if you do that correctly, that is what makes your business valuable when you go to sell it. Yeah. So I don't want to say this is like the end goal that everyone who's building an info product business should have. You can just run a totally nice info product business, make, I don't know, low six figures per year and just do this for the next 20 years if you're fine with it. But yeah, eventually for me, I'm, I, I know that I'm kind of bored sometimes from things. I'm pretty fast actually bored. So I do bring up a lot of side projects and yeah, then I get like 50 customers and I'm like, yeah, that was nice. Let's move on. <laughs> well, that usually happens. And at the same time, the problem I'm seeing with Ionic is that I'm not growing anymore. And someone said, if you're not growing, you're actually, yeah, you're declined. What's the word for it? Yeah, if you're not growing, you're Decreasing. dying, I think. Yeah, yeah the, something yeah. like this. And I can see this. I can see this on the horizon of the, the JavaScript, the web world that people are going to find something else. And I just want to be prepared in like two, three years when this happens even more. And I feel like, yeah, opening up to other things, other frameworks, it's going to be hard. It's actually like nobody knows me. I'm not even an expert in those things. If I start subtly talking about React, some people do actually like it. 
But I already got a lot of backlash from people saying like, hey, are you still doing Angular content? And where's the Angular? You should stick to Angular. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to do this. <laughs> I want to do something new. <laughs> so you do you. I'm just following what I think is right. I've built up a quite big community of active paying members. And I just hope that I can, I've built this once and I just hope I can do it again and uh, transition all the members I have into this new platform, however I'm going to call this. Still looking for a name. If any one of the listeners has a great name for like a web JavaScript kind of <laughs> community page, let me know. I just have <laughs> pretty bad ideas. You know, I, I strongly believe that, I think this is, a, this is kind of like paraphrasing Naval Ravikant when he said that the most intelligent driven people are all eventually successful when you zoom out and you look at the overall horizon. Some of them become successful in their 20s, some in their 30s, some in their 40s. You know, some people, they don't even become successful in their 50s or 60s. But the point is, once you start zooming out, you do see that these people who are driven, who show up relentlessly and execute and put in the work day after day, they are eventually successful. And I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of really amazing, intelligent people and Simon, from talking to you, I believe that the exact same thing is, is going to happen for you, whether it's Ionic or this next framework or something that you do 10 years down the line. The fact that you show up and you do the work and you execute, that's your greatest asset. No, there are so many people who just don't get that. They don't understand the relentlessness, the, the ability to show up every day. And you have that. And if anyone is listening to this, to this episode and our, and our ramblings about you porn and OnlyFans and JavaScript. Take away this point right here. Just show up every day and do the work. Move the chains just a little bit every day and it does add up. It will work for you. 100%. You know the, the famous calendar from Jerry Seinfeld where he's making an X for every day where he's doing progress. I'm pretty much doing the same. Like even on days that I take off, I do brainstorm a few ideas for the next post. For every Sunday, for example, I have a task to update my social numbers. So I have a sheet where I just put in all the, the social numbers. So at the end of the year, I can see a progress throughout the whole the year. This is like my, my little thing I do every Sunday. So I do keep doing something every day. And yeah, it has worked pretty well for me in the last eight years, I think. You mentioned earlier that email is, you found that email is just so much more important than, than social media. Like, do you have any advice for listeners who are currently in the process of building their email list? Yeah, start capturing emails. <laughs> but but really, like if you're if you're having some kind of personal blog or something, just give people a reason to opt in. Like the the classic, follow me for my cool weekly newsletter. I don't know if this is going to work. This I think this works for very famous people. Or let's say famous in in like the industry, famous, uh, not in the whole picture of the world. But I think giving people like a little PDF, this doesn't have to be magic and you, everyone can create this. You can do this with Canva. You can, can just do it in Google Drive and just throw up a sheet. I don't know. But give people a little something. What I have is a quick start guide. I've developed this in the beginning of the year, which is like a 40 to 50 pages PDF. I think that's actually already too big. Like you want to give people a, a quick, although I call it quick start guide. Uh, it's probably not that quick. You really want to give them something small. Give them something they can immediately apply to their work. Probably it's just a list of like five tools to make the development workflow better with something. Like those things can really work wonders. And 
you might not get like 20 new subscribers per day, but you get two. And if you get two new subscribers, that's going to be 60 in a month. And in a half year, that's going to be close to 400 already. And eventually, sooner than later, you're going to see you have your 1K subscribers. And I said it's important because I've launched different books and things uh, during the years. And really, what worked best was always email. Like, you can put out a link on Twitter saying, hey, my book is now 50% off and you're going to get like three sales or something. And then you blow this off to your email list and immediately people are going to buy. And three days later, you say, hey, the discount is going to disappear in two hours and the cash comes back in. Like email list is really, really what drives all the income for me from for my products. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And like the the simplicity of whatever your opt-in is, like it's if it's email crash course or a resource guide PDF, like one of the first opt-ins I created, I think it was like a, a seven-page resource guide PDF. And it was perfect the top the top 10 libraries for using yeah. computer vision and, and Python. And it was just a link to each library and then like two to four sentences about what the library does and under what situations you should be using it. Literally, that was it. That was like one of the first opt-ins I created. And like, Yes, later on, I, I created better opt-ins and like things that perform better. But that was just version 1.0. I got something out the door immediately. I didn't worry about perfectionism or, you know, crossing every, every T or dying no, every no, Let's not start on perfectionism. Yeah, yeah, let's... <laughs> oh. it's, that's, that's a tough road. Don't, don't like focus on the perfectionism. Just get it out there. It was funny. I was talking to my brother once who's kind of different. Like he's very perfectionist about a lot of things and I was saying like yeah I'm writing my my next book I didn't make a lot of progress I've only finished like two chapters until now and he was like you know what at your point right now I wouldn't have written a single word yet I would probably research how I can use the best colors for the title and how I gonna add a process to converge markdown files to something and like you're already way ahead because you actually started and it's easy to forget when you're very practical. I guess you're also very practical. If you're alone, just being a perfectionist won't work. Just you should accept this and you should get rid of any tendency in that direction very, very quickly. Oh, ab- absolutely. And I, I have a good story about that. My dad is a microbiologist with a specialty in human anatomy. And like three or four years ago, he noticed the success I had with Pi Research and he decided he wanted to create his own online course. You know, he's taught in the university for a few years and he knows where students struggle with, with human anatomy. So he told me he was working the, on this and he spent a couple years you know, developing things like the, the homepage and like creating like a blog page, but never actually like writing and publishing a, a blog post. And I just kept telling him like over and over again, just launch the thing so you can get some initial feedback. And I've, I've just noticed this pattern that like very smart people paradoxically are afraid to actually launch their course because it's not quote unquote done, like whatever, whatever that means. And I think that's, I think that's so sad because you're holding yourself back. You're holding yourself back from that initial feedback that you need to iterate on that product. Like you don't want to disappear in this hole, develop for six months and then come out later being like, oh, I have a brand new course for an ebook, but no one cares. Cause like you didn't, you didn't validate the market enough to, to see if it was something they actually wanted to pay for. It's so funny. I've seen this so many times with, with developers and, and technology. Like developers really like to, we, we like to develop things and solve problems. <laughs> During my years, I've seen people like come up with five different versions of their blog. <laughs> Just, <laughs> oh, I do, I've written my own blog engine once again. And I've got three posts. And a half a year later, you check, yeah, still three posts. Uh, you know what? 
since day one for my blog, I'm using WordPress. I'm kind of embarrassed by it because WordPress is like, yeah, you make a lot of fun of WordPress, but my focus is on writing content and providing content. And I don't care about WordPress at all. Even my membership site is still running on WordPress. So that's eventually <laughs> going to be changed in the future, hopefully. But like, I'm not here to invent, reinvent the wheel. There are like things you can use. Just <laughs> you want to write content and help people. And you could, you could just do this with an index HTML, probably. Yeah. Well, you know what? WordPress like gets, gets a lot of crap and like in some cases, well deserved. But here's the deal. Most of the web runs on WordPress and there are plenty of people who have built seven figure businesses and beyond on WordPress. So, I don't really care what people say about when they look at the source code and be like, oh, you're like, you're running a WordPress blog. Like, that's not a that's not a real website or like that's not for you're developers. not a real developer. Yeah, you're not a real developer. <laughs> I'll fuck off, bud. Like, you know, like, just go like go ship something first and like give me give me your feedback. <laughs> yeah, just ship it. I think that's that's an awesome place to, to wrap it up. You know, if people want to chat or connect, what's what's the best place where they reach you, Simon? Currently, I'm trying to build up my YouTube channel even more. So I definitely want to get you 100K because then you get this YouTube play button in silver. So <laughs> I always promise once I get this YouTube play button, I'm going to put it right here behind me so you can see it in every future video. Once I get this button, I'm going to call myself a YouTuber, not, not a single <laughs> subscriber before. 100K is the goal. It has been the goal since three years. So search me on Google, Simon Grimm, actually on YouTube. Otherwise, also check out the Ionic Academy, which is my platform to learn Ionic. If you want to check out the membership site, of course, I'm also happy to chat if you got any questions about info products. And finally, check out allthecode.co, a podcast I'm also running with another person called Simon. So Simon and Simon <laughs> on the All The Code podcast. And probably when I have Adrian on there as well in the future. It would be awesome, I think. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. I'm game. Thank you awesome. so much for, for being here, Simon. This is definitely one of the most fun I've had recording up. So we're absolutely going to keep in touch in the future. <laughs> it was a pleasure. And I'm going to be back in two years talking about the Academy 2.0. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Thanks, Simon. Awesome. Bye. If you have any questions about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at questions at infoproductmastery.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating in whatever podcatcher app you use, whether it's Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify. Not only do these reviews help motivate me to create new episodes, but they also help other developers, educators, and entrepreneurs find the show. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>